Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Oh, there you are. Good morning. (laughs) It's good to see you all here this morning. I'm standing up here this morning with an ailment to my back a little bit. I'm not sure what happened. I probably just sneezed or something. It's just the way it goes just through life, I guess, right? Yeah, there you go. Hey, is anybody here a runner? Anyone? <laughs> Deborah, appreciate you so much. Before actually I get going, I want to say a very special welcome to Fostoria. Glad you're here with us this morning, our online community. Uh, welcome. We're glad that you are, are here. Uh, so no runners in the house, uh, maybe just a few. Maybe you don't want to admit it because it's not fun. It's not a good thing to watch you run. Uh, that's, that's probably it there for sure. Uh, I used to be a runner, um, and I, I was actually really good at it for, uh, for quite some time when I was much younger. Uh, but nowadays, I'd rather just ride my bike or drive the car or whatever it is. But I remember a time when I was a junior or a senior in high school, I, uh, um, my, my team was actually had the opportunity to go and serve at an elementary school field day. Remember field day in elementary school? The day where you go outside and you stand there in the heat waiting for your events and then you do it, then you wait some more, that kind of thing. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, so totally different kind of waiting than here. It's a dry heat there, um, that kind of thing. But anyway, I, we, we, we had our jobs. Uh, we were to serve and, and to help first and second graders run a 1K. Uh, it's one, one K. I'm not sure how long a K is, but it sounds long. But it wasn't that long. Uh, but I remember it being, being set to be a part of that, that team. And it didn't matter that uh, my job was to help them. I got to run with them, and I was going to win. That was my goal. First and second, and I was going to win. I was a junior or senior in high school, and I was going to win. That was all I was going to do. And so the gun went off and actually used a firing gun at that time. They, fought, they shot it off, and uh, you know what happened is these first and second graders started sprinting from the get-go, right? And you know what happens when, when you do that is actually you end up running out real quick. It's 150, 100, 100 feet down the road. All of a sudden, these, all these first and second graders were just out of gas, and I passed them. And it was a great victory for me. Uh, I made it to the very, to the very end. Uh, but they, they ran out of gas, and most of them walked to the finish line, and I stood there this smug, you know, the end, yeah, about time you shut up, you know, kind of thing. But those kids are sort of like the Galatian people that Paul's uh, preaching to, that he's actually writing to here uh, in these passages. And that's exactly how they were. They failed to go the distance. And we're going to get there in just a second in verse 7. But he says this in verse, in verse 7. It says, you were running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were running, and then all of a sudden it stopped, and you weren't able to continue on. They started so well, but didn't push and persevere to the end. And just like, just like what, Susan, what, what, yeah, what, what, what she read uh, what, a minute ago out of Hebrews, um, just a few minutes ago, about endurance and the race before us from Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews talks about the weight of sin that can keep us from finishing, the weight that continues to weigh down on us that keeps us from pressing on to the very end. What else keeps us from enduring? Maybe there's something for you in your life that you know is a weight that bears on you, that continues to hold you back and keeps you from pressing on and enduring and finishing well. What keeps us from doing that? For the Galatians, it was false teachers. It was teachers that were stepping in and telling them things that were contrary to maybe what it is that they knew uh, already. 
Not only did they not press on in their Christian life, but they didn't understand what real freedom in Christ was. They had no clue. They didn't really step into it and understand what that truly meant. And I read a writer uh, this week who said it like this. He said, they were not living as free captives, but as slaves. Why? Because they were listening to false teachers. For each of us, we are so often, we so often run the race that the world wants us to run. When in fact, maybe I want to show us today maybe how it means for us to run in truth and actually run with endurance. I want to give you kind of a glimpse on today and kind of tell you what the big idea is and what kind of work into it here. I want you to see that freedom that Jesus has brought us, I want you to resist the dangerous messages of bondage and live in this freedom. And I want you to just take a minute and just make a choice in this moment right now to engage with what's happening here just for the next uh, few minutes. Because here's the thing is that if you don't, I think you're going to miss something. I think you're actually going to miss something. You just might miss what freedom actually looks like. You might be defining it wrong. You might actually miss, you might not see how the enemy works to destroy you. You might not recognize the dangerous messages that can lead to bondage in your life. And you might not realize and grasp the joy of resting in Christ and letting him and knowing where his position is in your life. So born out of the big idea that I just gave you, there's two statements of truth that I want to give you this morning, and they're born out of, born out of this here. But let's start by reading this passage. Out of Galatians chapter 5, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Uh, and I know we were there last week too, but we're going to start there again anyway. Uh, it's kind of my prerogative here. So Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, who... Uh, you, who, who, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who, 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 uh, who, uh, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, if I, if I brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves." We'll get to that last verse here in just a little bit, uh, but I want to start here by giving you two truths this morning, two things this morning that you can kind of uh, hang this whole uh, thing on. The first one is this, is we are called to run free. We are called to run free, to rest and rejoice in Christ. And I know, like I said, that Fritz uh, spent some time in verse 1 last week, but I, I really think this is really the, um, the thesis statement of the book of Galatians. So it's worth us stopping here again. It says in verse 1, Christ liberated us to be free, so stand firm and don't submit to the yoke of slavery. Stand firm. You're free in that. 
to the Galatian people, he's saying that Christ was saved, has saved them to be free. So live in that freedom. Let that sink in for just a second. You were saved to be free. So live in that freedom. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as free? But even more important question, do you see yourself living in that freedom that we have? Where I want to focus on this verse is to kind of help transition between where Paul was previous to where, he, to where we're going today. Because in chapters 3 and 4, Paul discussed freedom in those chapters. He called them out of living as slaves and not as sons. They were reverting back to slavery, to idols, and to the law. And he illustrates this with Isaac and Ishmael. He talks about one of the promise and, and, and one who wasn't. And he does this to make the point that they were children of the free. They were children of the promise. They were walking miracles, children of the spirit, and not children of slavery. And he's talking to the Galatian people and saying, you're not there. In light of all this, don't submit to slavery. What that implies is that slavery is a choice, Right? It's a choice to step into it for some of these people in this context here, for them to understand what it meant. It was a choice for them. And to do this is important that we understand freedom. Do we truly understand freedom? I'm in a room here full of Americans. (laughs) We actually use freedom as a piece of how we identify ourselves as American. And we say we're free, we're free people. And there are some people that might be watching that aren't, that maybe want that. If you're not Because freedom is different than that. This freedom we're talking about here is different than that. We need to set that aside. Because I think it's like this. Followers of Jesus are freed from the guilt of sin. Stop there for a second. Freed from the guilt of sin. It's a technical and legal term of being freed. No longer being guilty before, before God. But the second part is that we struggle to be free in what we experience daily. It's that picture for each one of us in struggling to be free in what we experience every single day of our lives. I think the followers of Jesus recognize this. It's the grip of sin. It's seeing the difference between the guilt that we technically are no longer under and the guilt that we put ourselves back into on a regular basis. The whole book of Galatians is about a group of people who were objectively free from guilt, Objectively, they were free from, from this guilt. And I mean that they, that they seem to have truly believed in Jesus. They truly were followers of Jesus, but they seem to kind of fall back into this pattern of what it was that they were, going back into a form of self-leadership. Why? There's a writer by the name of Tim Keller. He wrote a book called Getting Out. And then he answered that question and he said this way, this is a bit of speculation, but as a pastor of years and as, and as a human being, I think that deep down inside, maybe it's because of the image of God. Everyone knows that he or she should be perfect. We all know that we should be perfect. Objectively, we know this. God made us in his image. I mean, isn't that what Romans 8 tells us in verse 1? It says, it says there, and actually, I'm going to put it up on the screen here, and I want us to read this together, and I want you to hear what these words say. So let's, let's read this together, starting with, there is therefore, ready, go. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stop. No condemnation. Why? Because the spirits of the law in Christ Jesus, have set you free from the law 
of sin and death. You're free. And for each one of us to step into that, we are free from the penalty of sin. Christ has made us acceptable, and we are now free to rest in what Christ did for us. But subjectively, in our experiences of living, we need to learn how to live free from the power of sin. Because maybe we know that legally we're seen that way, but how do we step into that beyond just knowing that in my head, stepping into and living in that way? We are free, but we don't always live free. In other words, we need to become who we already are. At the risk of telling a story I've told before, I'm going to say I'm going to tell it anyways. I was a day I got home from school when I was probably nine or ten years old. My sisters and I got home and we turned on the TV and we're watching Gilligan's Island or the Brady Bunch or something really stimulating like that. And during during that, that what happened was was uh, the news news broke in. There's a special report of a police officer that's been that's been shot. My dad was a police officer, and so one of the things that, I, that piqued my interest really quick, and my sisters, and we're sitting there watching this, the next thing we saw was we saw uh, the news crew actually land on the scene in the moment that uh, they captured this guy. And what happened is they came across the screen, and the news crew came out of the van, and their camera shaking and doing its thing, and then you see this, you see a couple of police officers, but the one right there was fully drawn, he had a gun in hand, he pointed across the thing at this guy that was running from them. The guy turned around and took a shot. The camera ducked back behind, came back out just in time to watch my dad put three bullets in this man and kill him on live TV. It was a scary moment to watch, to actually see that. And probably a couple weeks later, I was talking to my dad and I asked him, I was just talking about it, and something he told me was that he said, that was the day I became a police officer. 20 years to become a police officer? It was the day he started to realize, the day he understood who he was, the day he understood and started to see himself for what he truly was, and that was a police officer. I wonder how many of us struggle with that same identity. I wonder how many of us don't see ourselves for who God has truly made you to be. If you're a follower of his, if you're a Christian, you've said yes to him as your forgiver and leader, you are free. Have you stepped into that? We need to become who we already are. It's that sense of knowing that the, sh- that the chains are unlocked, that the cell door is open, and yet you are choosing to stay in place anyway and move beyond it. I wonder how many of us can identify with that. And maybe you would or wouldn't say it's true, but what if we lived like that anyway? How do we get past it? Well, maybe it's the first thing is we would be to identify it in our lives, and then maybe we would see how it's holding us back, and then we would take some steps. And actually, let me stop there, because I would actually say that it's a little simpler, a lot simpler than that. It comes down to believing the gospel is true of you now as it was at the moment that you were saved. Seeing ourselves as how how God sees us and recognizing that the gospel has not changed, it's still true of me as it was in the day I was saved. It's recognizing God's grace has truly set you free. Now go live in it. 
The Galatian people here, they were not walking. They were not walking in this truth. They were living as though they needed to contribute to their salvation. And that's the circumcision thing here. Something they physically had to do to somehow earn God's favor or for God to see them as right. And it's just been, it's been set from the stage before, probably not in these words or maybe so, but it boils down to this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The good news is that if you are in Christ, you stand accepted by God today in Christ, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do that can make God love you any more. Let the gospel work so deep in your life that you can't help but throw off the chains of bondage and run into the freedom that Scripture says is already yours. Step into it. Identify yourself with it and say, I am his, he is mine. The second truth I want to give you is just that, to run in the truth, believing and not believing the messages of false teachers, not believing the messages of false teachers. And you may not identify someone in your life that is specifically a false teacher that has a a hat on that says, I'm a false teacher or wears a shirt or whatever it is, but it's recognizing the things around us that might be leading us astray. And those who are speaking into our lives that are maybe watering down what it is that we say we hold to. In verses 2 through 12, Paul is confronting these false teachers, and he's speaking out against them and saying, hey, guys, here's the deal. He carries it through verse 12, and where he really kind of drives it home. It's a pretty colorful language, and again, we'll get there in just a second. So the problem was a belief that they were being taught that it was necessary to be circumcised and to keep the law. He was, they, were, they were buying into that belief from false teachers who were saying, you have to do these things in addition to. For Paul, circumcision symbolized the religion of personal achievement versus God's grace. Human achievement was slavery, self-leadership versus, God, versus God's leadership in our lives. And what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning is just kind of walk down through these verses starting in verse 2. And help us see the, the, the results of the false teacher's message and what that looks like. And he basically tells us what happens if you buy into the Jesus plus something mentality. And I want you to stop for a second. Just kind of think, as we go through these things, where are some of the things maybe in your own life as we identify them where maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to convict you and show you? If you accept the false message, verse 2, if you accept the false message in verse 2, then you will view Christ as inadequate. Let me try it this way. ESV says it this way. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. How about this one? The New Living Translation says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Or how about the Amplified Version that says it this way? Notice, it is I, Paul, who tells you that if you receive circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation, Christ will be of no benefit to you, for you will lack the faith in Christ that is necessary for salvation. Wow. Is it clear? Is it ambiguous still? If you accept salvation by human achievement, then Christ did not do enough. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. And the work of Jesus for us is perfect. You can't add to it. You can't take anything from it. One writer I read said it this way, whoever wants half of Christ loses the whole. 
Secondly, in verse 3, if you accept the message of the false teachers, then you must obey all of the laws, all of them. If this is something called something that's that called gradualism, it's a slippery slope of kind of taking this and then it's got to be this on top of it. You start with this and you add more observances and you add ceremonial laws and you add this altar thing and you add this and where does it end? Stephen Ungeser in a video a while back, a couple weeks ago, asked that question of somebody on the street. When do you know it's enough? <laughs> when is it actually ever going to be enough? When do you know if you've done the right stuff? You don't. You can't. So you're on the hook for it all, just to be clear. If that's where you're going to live, you're on the hook for it all. And by the way, you can't do it. <laughs> That's why God sent Jesus to die for our sin is so that we wouldn't have to do it. That's called salvation through faith in Christ is believing, yes, otherwise it's a slippery slope. But if you think back on Galatians chapter 3, we were there earlier this year in 3, it says this, and it's up on the screen, it says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written. I want you to read this last part with me out loud. We're going to start with everyone who does. Listen, ready? Go. Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Nobody can keep it. It's not possible. You can't do it. Thirdly, in verse 4, if you accept this message of the false teachers, then you are turning away from grace. I've heard many times some who will use this passage to say that someone can lose their salvation but that's not what the Bible teaches anywhere else in the Bible, and especially not here. We also know that isn't true based on the context of this verse, because Paul is talking about falling away from the truth, the doctrine of grace. Simply put, if you believe that salvation is by the law, you have abandoned the belief that salvation is by grace. Those two things are mutually exclusive. You can't have it both ways. Either salvation is by grace through faith, Christ dying for our sin and paying the penalty for our sin, or it is by my human achievements or good works. There's at least one other message that's listed in these verses here, but I think you get the idea. But what he's driving at here is that the false teachers are offering something that is ultimately empty. Verse 6, he says, circumcision accomplishes nothing. And then just, like a, just a little bit later in chapter 6, he says this, for both circumcision and uncircumcision means nothing. What matters is a new creation. What matters is who you become, not who you were. What matters is a new creation. The teaching of the gospel is not empty. It's life-changing. It actually leads to life. And the false teachers were all about this external ritual. And Paul says that to believe this is to miss the point, to absolutely miss the point, that there's something else here that I want to point out as well. And Paul seems to give us another list, of, another list in these next verses in telling us what false teachers looked like in Galatia. And let me actually add this to that, that it hasn't changed over the years. They're identified by similar characteristics, and let's pick them up in verse 7. It says, it, it talks about being hindered by the obedience to the truth. It's, that's the verse where it says you stopped running. You stopped running. You were hindered by something that wasn't true. True then and true today as well. 
And apparently this hindrance was a mark of a lack of running. They stopped. It was marked by lack of running. They stopped. Verse 8, another characteristic is that they were not from God. They were definitely not from God. We know God did not send them because they were teaching something that was contrary to God's word. And by the way, if it's contrary to God's word, it's fair to say as an overarching rule that you watered it down or changed it, it's not true. It's not true. The key to recognizing false teachers is not to know what they believe, but rather to know what Scripture teaches. Light shines in darkness. And even if they claim to be from God, if they teach something that is not in alignment with Scripture, don't believe them. It's oftentimes very close, and it's the difference. It's it's the difference isn't between the difference isn't between right and wrong. The difference is between right and almost right. So close, and yet so far. Galatians chapter chapter one verse seven. If anyone teaches things that are contrary to Scripture, let them be eternally condemned and not embraced. Verse nine goes on to talk about these false teachers, these false messengers will contaminate others. This is the verse that talks about leaven in the bread, the the, the yeast in the bread. And like yeast, it permeates all the dough and makes it rise. In the New Testament, yeast is often used as a symbol of permeating sin and false doctrine. You can't just take something bad out, hopefully it's enough. It's like if you were to make an omelet, add, add, add a bunch of eggs, and you throw a bad egg in there, and you realize it's bad, somehow you're going to try to take that out. You just can't do it. You can't take yeast out of the dough. You can't take a bag of egg out once you mix it in. It just doesn't happen. A little bit of leaven there. And Jesus even warned in Matthew 16 of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The effect of the false teachers is a problem because it affects so many people who hear it. And I would suggest that this could be why Paul is so intense in Galatians here of standing up against these teachers. Verse 10, these false messengers will one day pay a penalty. They will one day pay a penalty. He seems to be confident that at least some of those who are in Christ will detect the error of what's being taught and choose to walk humbly after Christ, after God, and the truth instead. But he also is confident that the teachers who are teaching us will be judged one day. And then finally, the fifth and last characteristic is in verse 11. And he lists here, and it's that they will be, that they will persecute teachers of the truth. They will persecute teachers of the truth. Paul knows exactly what that means. He was definitely persecuted for teaching truth. You might think that for somebody to teach something that is so readily available for all to hear and believe would be readily accepted, but it's not. Why not? Because the message of the cross is offensive. And that's what it says in verse 11. The message of the cross is offensive. I've often stood and pondered that. What is so offensive about the gospel? What's so offensive about the gospel? Why is that difficult for people to get their minds around? First Corinthians says that the cross is either a stumbling block or the power of God to salvation. And I'll tell you this, the reason why it's offensive is that it calls us to surrender and step aside from controlling our own lives. To step aside from controlling your own life and put yourself in a position of submission and surrender to God and God alone. And this is a bridge too far for most. Most people go, I am not willing to surrender control of my life. I want to hold on to control, and so we do. 
The cross crushes human pride. It obliterates the religion of human achievement. For this crowd in Galatia, it wiped out the idea that they were saved by keeping the laws of Moses. If this gospel offends you today, maybe today is the day you need to examine your heart and stop tripping over it and embrace the power of God to salvation. Because it will be continue to be a tripping point for you, something that continues to draw you down. But if you were to humble yourself and come before God and recognize your need for him and confess him as Lord, you too can have true salvation. Finally, in these verses today, Paul makes one of the most colorful statements. <laughs> he makes several of them in, throughout, throughout his epistles, but this is one of the more colorful ones, and it reads this, and I, I chose a different translation uh, because I, I like, it's actually more colorful. Uh, verse 12, it says this, I wish those who were disturbing you might also get themselves castrated. Yeah. Enough said? I mean, that is, that, 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 you read that and you go, I've said some pretty awful things in my life. I've actually said some things about people in my life, but I don't think I've ever said anything like that. I wish, I wish that the people in Galatia would have understood. And Paul's writing because he wants them to understand. What it seems to illustrate here, though, is this disgust and passion for what he's doing. The gospel meant everything to Paul. If you've ever read any of, his, any of his writings throughout the New Testament, you know that he had a dramatic conversion in the book of Acts. And the Bible changed, or the gospel changed his life in that moment, and he was never the same. It meant everything to Paul. I wonder what kind of passion, what, God, that, what that kind of passion would sound like for one of us. I wonder what it would sound like for us to communicate that kind of passion. See, Paul knew that the level of destruction and confusion that they had created and that they had created and his contempt for such people who were leading people astray was strong. Understandably so. Trust in Christ's work alone for your salvation. Find your righteousness in him and him alone. Resist anyone who points you somewhere other than Christ and Christ alone. I had a coach in high school. Uh, his first name was Mr. Actually, probably Coach. Uh, but we called him Trotter. That was, that was what we called him. And uh, Coach Trotter, he, he made us run a lot. And as we ran, uh, it was always standing on the side. He didn't run. No, he just stood there with his whistle and blew it at us and, and so forth. I'm not sure he even could run. He was a great coach. And he, would, he, he had this mantra, and he would yell, run yell, boys, run well. I said it backwards. Run well, boys, run well. And he said in every coach's line, as he stood there on the sideline drinking his Diet Coke, Actually, it was probably Pepsi-free at uh, that time. But he said, he said we're going to run until everybody is giving 100% until I get tired, right? You've heard that, right? Been around a coach? Peer pressure kicked in, and we did. And then after he was finally satisfied and we were just fried, he'd call us together again. And he'd say, you ran well, boys. Good job. And then he would do a, make a couple of random statements about how our bodies ached. And he'd do this. He'd go, how are your legs, boys? How are they? How are your legs? Do they hurt? 
Yes, coach. Good. <laughs> they said, how's your feet? Do they hurt? Yes, coach. Good. And that's exactly how he would do it. Almost to the point, it's like annoying you. He was going, oh, he's going to do that good thing. And then he would do this. He would do that randomly throughout at the end of practice. And he did the last two at practice, and he would say this, how's your head? Is it clear? Is it focused? Yes, coach. Good. How's your heart? Is it pumping strong? Is it pushing that blood? Yes, coach. Good. Hit the showers, boys. I actually think Trotter was onto something there. He cared about the whole person, not just what we offered the team. So let me ask you how is your head? How's your heart? Are you finding yourself distracted by things around you that might be pulling you away or pulling you down? Are you focused where you need to be focused? How's your heart? Do you need to say yes to Jesus today? Even for the first time? Or maybe you need to say yes to him for something else in your life where you're saying, yes, I'm going to stop resisting what I know you're calling me to do, what you're calling me to be. Yes, I'm going to stop resisting stepping into what you're calling me to do next. Usually at this point in the service, I would be calling on prayer partners uh, to come up and get in the corners. But instead today, I want to I pray over you. Specific to this challenge in Galatians 5, this passage today has challenged us to run free and run in truth. So I'm going to pray over you and your parts. We've done this before. We call it, we call it you know, we, 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 we do this thing as the, the body parts prayer. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me right now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to physically take your hands or respond. I'll give you instructions as we go. And we're going to pray over what God's given us as we pursue and run after him and follow him in our lives. So let's start here. Let's pray. Let's start with our eyes. So take your hands and touch your eyes. Lord, we give you our eyes. So often we use them for things that don't bring glory to you. Sometimes we covet. Sometimes we lust. Sometimes our eyes just wander. And Lord, we offer our eyes to you this week and ask that you would help us see others the way that you do. Take your hands, put them on your head. Lord, we give you our minds. May they not wander and be deceived by lies and false teachers. Let us fill our minds with your words in Scripture. And would you help us to follow the example of Jesus and respond to temptation with the words of truth? We ask you that you would help us to think on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Let's pray for feet. We do that by walking in place. Lord, we give you our feet. And although they take us places we shouldn't go sometimes, we give them to your purposes. Would you show us this week how to run hard after you with them? Would you show us how to pursue you instead of the things our hearts are often drawn toward? 
We beg you, Father, not to let us grow weary and stop. We ask that you use them to carry us into situations where we can serve and share Jesus. And now we lift our hands. Lord, we give you our hands. We often use them to hold on to things that are temporary, to strike in anger, to commit unkind, to communicate in unkind ways. We want our hands to be used as instruments for you. Would you allow us to use them this week to serve others and communicate your love? And finally, our hearts. Your word says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And yet, God, you know it. You know it better than I do, any of us. And we ask that you would guide our affections and our desires. Guard our hearts. Help us to see what we can be, how we have been wrongly setting our desires and dreams on things that are not of you. God, what do you want us to have hearts for? Father, I pray that you will give each of us in this space the ability to follow hard after you, not just today, but Lord, all the days you have before us to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. Teach us to trust you with that. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.